Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine, Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, when you have a podcast, you have chores. Yeah. You might be fa- you might be familiar with some of these. You gotta you gotta check the email. You gotta post the episodes on Facebook. You have to pay the uh, the ISP to host your uh, your show so that people can download it. Hundreds of dollars a month. Some of these <laughs> get done with a uh, with a varying amount of regularity. <laughs> <laughs> And one of them that I didn't mention at all uh, was the need to go check our mail, our physical mailbox, which is something that I did this morning. And I came back to the studio with an armful of packages. Oh, man. You say we, what do you say we check some of this mail? Let's check all the mail. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Adam, it's it's actually kind of beautiful that we're doing this today because I think this episode comes out on Christmas Day. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's uh, wow. it's like I mean we're we're recording this in November, but Christmas came early for us. That's great. Well, but right uh, on time no, for everyone else. No days off for your friends at Greatest Gen. A a warm Merry Christmas from Ben and me. Yeah. Or Happy Hanukkah, if that's uh, if that's the way you swing, or uh, whatever else, uh, whatever other holiday you celebrate, happy that. <laughs> happy whatever or whatever. <laughs> ben, in in holiday gift opening tradition, I'm starting with the cards. <laughs> uh, we've got we've got two cards here on top. Yeah, you got to work your way up. You assume that Card- the big box is the one with the best present in it. Card here is from Mr. Dan D. Uh, from Richardson, Texas. Letter goes like this. Oh, it's actually like a two-part letter. It's from two people. Oh, wow. So on the top fold, above the fold, uh, we've got the message from Dan. Letter goes like this. Thank you both so much, not only for masterfully crafting an amazing podcast, but for helping to bring together so many like-minded fans around the world. My Monday and Wednesday mornings won't be the same now that the greatest generation is done. But I know it isn't the last we'll hear from you. Keep up the great work and stay as far away as you can from Big Rod. <laughs> Hailing frequencies closed, Dan. Well, Big Rod wants Dan nothing will- to do with us, Dan, and and the feelings mutual. Also, the greatest generation isn't done. We've just pivoted. We've pivoted to video, like <laughs> like like so many other successful franchises. Now, now that we're done disrupting the TNG space, we've uh, we've pivoted <laughs> to now disrupt the DS9 space, right? Or the D Space Nine. Letter below the fold is from Brian M. Letter goes like this: Gentlemen, you guys have breathed new life into a series I truly love. And thanks to you, I will never be able to think of Will Wheaton without thinking of Pulp Fiction 2. <laughs> you guys make Star Trek fun, which few other podcasts seem to manage. Cannot wait for you to explore DS9 in depth, and in parentheses, like really in depth, with a, with a colonoscope and everything. <laughs> Yours, Brian. That's great. Yeah, uh, we have yet to break out the scope with the, with the bendy end and light on it but uh, you'll know when we get there this is your arthroscopic wormhole podcast you'll know we're, we're at that point when the show becomes wildly flatulent <laughs> second letter is from Thomas G from Coriopolis Pennsylvania Oh man, so so Tom, in the tradition of great grandmas everywhere, has sent us uh, a holiday card and a check. <laughs> a check for $25. Tom's card says this, You guys have done an amazing job with the pod. I'm a monthly contributor to Maximum Fun, but it seems unfair that you have to spend your own money just to be able to anonymously receive mail through a P.O. box. <laughs> so I'm specifically sending this money to offset some of that cost. Keep up, keep up the great work. Love, Tom. Wow, Tom. Uh, you're not kidding. The uh, The P.O. box is not inexpensive, but uh, it's a good idea to have in in these uh, in these dangerous web times. Thanks so much, Tom. That's, that's really great of you. Thank you, Tom. 
Our next thing is a package. It is a, uh, it is a box roughly the size of a phone book. Adam, while you're opening that, allow me to compliment you on that festive sweater. <laughs> Thanks, man. You look great. I, I don't. Uh, I don't believe in the ugly holiday sweater. I believe in the great-looking holiday sweater. Yeah, that's why I think it's so. Uh, it's so. It's so on point. You know, you're you're filled yeah. with holiday cheer, but it's not an ironic cheer. It's very earnest. Well, I want to be sincere with you about about one thing, Ben, and that is. Uh, you really got me to up my clothes game quite a bit. I did? Yeah, you're a you're real trendsetter and thought leader when it comes to <laughs> podcast host clothing. Oh, man. Uh, you got me thinking about it, at least. I feel like that's a, that's a high compliment that I scarcely deserve. Coming from the guy who wore a, who wore a computer show t-shirt on stage, I think, in <laughs> Milwaukee, and then, like... And then I think for the last four shows, just wore a hoodie on stage. <laughs> this package comes from Andrew K. from Columbus, Ohio. I've opened the box. And uh, if you were to guess what was going to be inside a box roughly the size of a phone book, you would be correct if your guess was a Star Trek action figure. The action figure is Q. Whoa. The mischievous, omniscient being. It is a pretty great likeness. Like, uh, the the Playmates Star Trek action figures. Pretty hit or miss. They are, they are all over the map, but when they hit, I feel like they really hit hard. Oh, shit. There's something else in the bottom of the box. No way! <laughs> oh, man. What Andrew has sent me... Are Piedmont Airlines gloves? Whoa! Like uh, they're the they're the cold weather gloves with the tacky, you know, uh, hand side tacky rubber nubbins. Uh huh. Oh yeah. You know, like those. for 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 dexterous work that you have to do outside. And uh, Piedmont, of course, the uh, the airline reference that I dropped so many episodes ago, uh, East Coast Regional Airline that I uh, grew up flying. Oh man, that's amazing. Uh, there's also a letter. I grew oh, up in Oakland where Piedmont is synonymous with snooty white people. Oh, no. This is a terrifically long letter, uh, which I guess I'll just read it and then we'll have it. Yeah, well, we always have that Wayne's World drop if we have to jump in time. Right. Uh, this letter and package is from Andrew Keterman, and the reason I'm saying his last name is because he's given me pronunciation instructions. <laughs> letter goes like this, Dear Adam and or Ben, I've been a friend of DeSoto ever Wait. since I randomly found the Ars Technica article written about your pod shortly before the release of episode five. Dang, that's an OG. I was going to meet you guys in Cleveland, but I was advised that it was a rather shady section of town to be in after dark. And also, I was moving into college the next day at The Ohio State University. Well, I'm going to stop you right there, Andrew. I loved our show in Cleveland. Yeah. Great part of town. Super great bar. Yeah, it was... Uh, the place was great. That was a cool place. Uh, I mean, we didn't we didn't spend much time wandering around drunk in the streets after the show, so I can't tell yeah. you whether or not it's, like, you know, dangerous or anything, but it didn't seem... Uh, sure. I have fairly well-developed... Uh, you know, dangerous neighborhood radar, and uh, that did not did not feel like a dangerous neighborhood to me. Cleveland was one of those shows where I feel like we parachuted in and then got the last helicopter out. Like, we were there for 18 hours, I <laughs> yeah. think, and that was it. Yeah, RSVP Cleveland. Yeah, sort of a blur. Letter continues, I just started listening to episode 3 of DS9 today. The day of release, and I'm already hooked. <laughs> I even found it within myself to go back and listen to the episodes of the pod that I dismissed as horrible when reading the description. How dare you, Andrew? <laughs> we take great care writing those descriptions. Letter goes on. I must say I agree 100% with Adam's Mount Nuckmore. And in parentheses, that's the name you guys came up with for the Good Mountain way back when it was first conceived. Man. As well as the most... As well as most all his favorite episodes per season, so I've enclosed one Q figure, mint in box, to commemorate the episode Q-less, which, if I did my job correctly, is after this package arrives in the P.O. box. <laughs> <laughs> Probably true, but we are the limiting factor there. I have not checked the mail in, like, a month. I apologize. 
Uh, if that did not happen for one reason or another, please take the figure as a token of my appreciation for the pod, especially for your review of the episodes Q Who, All Good Things, Shades of Grey, and the first episode on my mountain, Yesterday's Enterprise. In addition, in gratitude for Adam's knowledge about airlines and airplanes, I've also enclosed one pair of Piedmont Airlines official gloves. I absolutely adore all the impressions, especially Picasso, your pod. Kept me, through, kept me sane through seemingly endless days of repetitive computer maintenance work, the last days of my senior year, and so many more moments that I can't list them all or else I would have to pay even more to print out this super long letter to go with the package. <laughs> From probably the only Catholic who hasn't condemned your show, Andrew <laughs> Keterman. Thanks, Andrew. Really sweet stuff here, man. Thanks for being a friend of the pod. Thank you, Andrew! Package number three is a manila envelope, which says in uh, in all caps, photos, do not bend. Return address is from Cree N from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Love Albuquerque. This is one of those do not bend messages that actually was obeyed. This is a totally uncreased a lot of mail Manila carriers envelope. look at that sticker as a challenge, but this one was uh, was not a jerk about it. Okay. We have a letter here. Dear Ben and Adam in episode 172, Butterknife Batleth, you opened an Amazon package from me containing two books, Quirky Quarks. Adam was quite happy about the present, but Ben was just sad that it wasn't porn. <laughs> ben, I really wanted to apologize for not sending you porn. Believe me, nobody is more disappointed than me. I mean, who wants to hear that their package is not satisfactory? <laughs> to make up for my blunder, please accept a photo from Miss Klingon Empire 2014. May she bring you joy, honor to your houses, and rock your neck. Thanks a lot to both of you for being awesome. Adam, this, uh, I have to know a little something about this gift giver, Benjamin, because uh, I've exchanged a couple e- emails with him because we screwed up and didn't realize that that first package was a part of a commercial Priority One message. And, uh, oh, no! I, amazingly, that Priority One message is in the queue for today's show, so uh, we'll, we'll pay the rest of that off later in the episode. <laughs> ben... In the in the spirit of like the Seven Eleven pornography magazine, you know, wrapped in plastic and covered with like a cardboard sheet, <laughs> I have I have uh, I have moved the letter aside and have revealed uh, Miss Klingon Empire twenty fourteen <laughs> in all her glory, oh, uh, man. Uh, signed to us, uh, signed personally <laughs> to us. All my love, Kree Nicole. <laughs> Uh, she's quite a lady. Wow. Uh, there's uh, there's there's all all the loaf you could care to see. This is one of those gifts that I'm going to have to make sure that I don't leave uh, on my desk to be found. You don't want to have to explain that one to your wife. Yeah, that's that's tough. And if there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that my wife will not listen to an episode of our show that drops on Christmas morning. <laughs> Man, this is a real thing. Yeah. This, How are you looking this up? The Star Trek convention in Atlanta has a Miss Klingon Empire beauty pageant. And there's like YouTube videos about it and stuff. It appears that she does uh, she does some other cosplay stuff too. Not just the Klingon stuff. So uh, check her out, I would say. A lot of fun. At, uh, at creenicole.com. C-R-E-E-N-I-C-O-L-E. Package three, Ben. In our, in our now marathon length. I thought that you open. said that the last one was package three. I'm losing track, man. Yeah, it, that was uh, that was package two. <laughs> package three is from Will M. from Ottawa. It is slathered in Star Trek stamps, including a $5 Borg stamp, mm. which is like the size of a kiwi. It's big. <laughs> Pretty great. I'm opening this package. And whoa, this is like the Canadian post office Star Trek stamp collection, including a bunch of postcards. We've got seven first day covers, which I guess are like envelopes with the stamps on them. Got one for you and me. Yeah. And then uh, what else do we got here? We've got souvenir sheets. You got to have those souvenir sheets, Ben, uh, from from a number of the of the original series movies. And then uh, 
and then Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, that one, uh, that one show with Scott Bakula, yeah, and then uh, a little booklet full of more stuff that you can buy. This is great, amazing. Yeah, uh, he sent us uh, an email. He sent us an email at uh, at uh, drunkshimoda at gmail dot com, uh, suggesting that he was going to send these, and uh, we really appreciate them. Jeez, thanks so much, Will. Especially because that <laughs> this looks like it cost a thousand dollars to mail us from Canada. <laughs> He's he is Canada Post Star Trek expert. Yeah, wow. I, I'm I just want to move to Canada for the fact that that job exists. No kidding. It's good to have friends in the post office. Plus, you get to say things like drama and pasta. <laughs> it just seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, our fourth and final package uh, comes from a friend of the podcast, Sarah A. Appears to be dusted in a fine white powder. Oh, Lean- she, she sent us some I'm, anthrax in the mail. <laughs> I'm leaning in to get a closer look. Oh, boy. This is a gift box with a sheet on top, a cover sheet that says to the proprietors of Uxbridge Shimoda LLC. Uh-huh. And, and a letter which reads, Dear Ben and Adam, I discovered the pod after the election when I desperately needed a break from the NPR politics podcast. Oh, yeah. I can, I curr- can relate to that feeling. Yeah, no kidding. I currently live on a U.S. Navy base in Japan. Oh, that's what an FPO is. Yeah. Uh, in parentheses, my spouse is an active duty service member. In parentheses. So it's really lovely to have a distraction from the ever-looming threat of nuclear annihilation. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember hearing Adam talk about enjoying Japanese candy, so I figured I could express my gratitude with goodies. Thank you both so much for making dick and fart jokes while being thoughtful about issues like gender and race. W slash R slash T, this universe, and shows we all love. Peace and long life, y'all. Sarah. Aww. Sarah, that's the sweetest. That is... I wish... Uh, I wish I I had known you before our trip to Japan last January. It would have been fun to meet up. We've got, oh boy, we've got a really nice gift package here, Ben. Yeah. Got, uh, some some matcha tea, some yogurt candies. Oh, we got some really fun candies that uh, we'll have to do a little bit of taste test for on a future episode. We've got caramel berry candies. We've got soda kids. Mmm. Uh, which are like gummy soda flavored. I love those. Candy made with xylitol, which is good for your teeth, but like other sugar alcohols, it can give some folks horrible watery poops. <laughs> uh, that that was a great Hey, good looking out, Sarah, with with that with that warning on that one. <laughs> oh, uh, she included a couple cooling sheets for my head. Great if you have a headache or a fever. It's nice. Uh, more candies at the bottom. Probably my favorite candy, Kome, Japanese plum. They start salty, which is off-putting to some people, but I love them. Just like us, Ben. Well, thanks so much for that uh, great gift box. It's uh, super sweet. I think what we'll do on, uh, on a future episode is do some taste testing and, uh, and enjoy some of these sweets. Uh, so thanks to Sarah and to Will to Benjamin and and maybe most especially Cree Nicole. Thanks to Andrew Kederman. Thanks to Tom. Thanks to Dan and thanks to Brian. Really appreciate that bit of holiday cheer from you guys. And uh, rest assured I will be sharing all of this with my good good friend Ben Harrison. Man, best non-denominational holiday celebration ever. What a haul. Now I'm going to take pictures of it and post it on Twitter. (laughs) Wow. Very cool. Well, Adam, what do you say we have a long, gluttonous breakfast and then take a walk with our families? What do you say uh, we we spend about 20 minutes in the bathroom just, like, reading Twitter and sending texts because it's the the only private place in the house where you can get some peace? What do you say to Chinese food and a movie? Shout out to all of the podcast viewers currently listening to this uh, in the bathroom. (laughs) Today we're bringing you Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 11, an episode I already regret watching, (laughs) Vortex. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) 
No, of course you don't. Does this Vortex episode give you watery poops? <laughs> no, that was a thing that's that gets said a bunch of times in the episode. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a thing I already regret doing. You know. That's true. <laughs> I watched it yesterday, so I can't, I didn't remember. Sue me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't sue you, Ben. It's like it's like we're married. Well, you could uh I think you could still sue me, technically. <laughs> So, we've got another classic Odo in Quirk's bar, hassling Quirk, open, you know, just, uh, just, uh, like, like Odo's MO is always to walk up to Quirk and go, hey, listen, there's a scheme that I am, uh, that I'm aware that you may be scheming on, and, uh, just so you're aware, I'm aware. If all my customers were like you, my family would be begging in the promenade. Oh, I seriously doubt that. Not as long as there's a Miradorn raider for you to do business with. You ever work with someone who you just always see in the break room? That's Odo. Yeah, there were there were like, a couple of ladies like that at uh, at the last office job I had. There was like a there was a big TV in the break room that always had like the chew or something on. <laughs> and there were just two ladies in there all the time, and I was like, "What do you guys do here? Why do I always have to like walk past you to get a cup of water?" It's got to be so frustrating to have a crime visited upon you. Go to the constable's office and see that he's not there again. <laughs> like he's he's got one of those dumb like "We'll be back" yeah. signs Gun with, with like the. With like the manual, like you turn the hands of the clock to the time when you're going to be back, like the the cheap one dollar little suction cup sign. Yeah, gone fishing for clues at Quarks. Except the hands are broken off from overuse. Odo needs a lieutenant. He needs somebody with a slightly littler bucket to sit right next to his bucket. I sort of assume that Lieutenant Toast would be an ongoing concern. Lieutenant George Primen, Starfleet Security. But he's not. Yeah, I don't know if he comes back periodically or what. What's the know. idea I... with Lieutenant Toast? <laughs> <laughs> like, where, where, what is the angle that they're trying to play with that character? I feel like it might have been a payroll decision. Like, well, if Kalamini's not on the show, it would actually take a lot of work to produce one fewer paycheck. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we need to get a guy in here with roughly the equivalent amount of dialogue and then and then i can just like white out Meanie's Meanie's name and then write in the actor's name uh who plays lieutenant toast in instead yeah like it, it feels like an administration issue more than a storytelling one quark has been hosting a gamma quadrant alien here in the bar and uh his race is the rakari his name is croden Odo's curious about him, and Quark is like, ah, nothing to see there. He's a nobody. He's a regular guy. I love how Odo, like, gestures to Quark. He's like, I keep looking over at that guy, and that guy keeps looking away, suspiciously. Probably because you keep staring at him, Odo. <laughs> Stop being a fucking creep. <laughs> yeah, the girl is not going to want to talk to you if you've spent the entire time <laughs> leering at her across the room before you yeah. walk up and make your opening gambit. Yeah, not a good look. Not good spycraft either, TBH. No, Odo is Odo is a weird character because, like, if he is spycraft, he is like a a jug of water in the corner, not not like sneaking around in the shadows or like uh, you know taking out two watches and putting one under the wheel of the car and keeping the other to figure out when the car left the spot. That's the thing. He Odo kind of contains detective multitudes because. Like, he's savvy enough to turn himself into a glass if he needs to, but he's also dumb enough to just stare a guy down across a room. Yeah, he's, What is that about? He's just, I think he's very confident in his own abilities. You know what's not super intimidating to stare at? Googly eyes on a drink cart. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you make with the drink cart transformation? Maybe you'll appear less threatening to people. So, uh, in walk these two Miradorn twins who are kind of like... I guess they're kind of bad guy alien, akin to your Nausicans, just like a known bad race of one-off aliens. 
instead of uh, acting like assholes, though, they look like them. <laughs> yeah. They really have, like, full-on bend over and spread them loaf. It is. It's the most explicitly butt-loafed aliens we've ever seen. Like, right down to the actual anuses. Yeah, they even have, like, taint hair coming down off their widow's peak. They look like, you know, the uh, the garden decoration that is, like, the bent-over gardener? You know, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like if you made one of those and the gardener wasn't wearing pants and that was the low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's really troubling. You know, sometimes you get like a backstory on the loaf. Like I was I was looking at something about <laughs> Tosk and it said that they'd like the makeup designer had seen a National Geographic about crocodiles and based the makeup on that. Mm-hmm. This is like the makeup designer <laughs> saw like a casting couch porno video and base the makeup on that my father's a proctologist he encouraged me to get into the biz but i didn't have the stomach for it this is this is my salute to my father my now dead father (laughs) what if the episode faded out at the end and it was like in loving memory of dr john jackson <laughs> Dr. Dean Butzman. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Dr. Seymour Butts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like I don't know how I don't know how you alien design this and not audition it in front of people and have it fail. Like this should have failed in the trailer. Like, hey, hey, what do you think of this new alien creature idea? Like, how does the first guy who look at these aliens not go, hmm. Too hot for TV, buddy. Take it back to the drawing board. Kind of rectal, if you ask me. (laughs) I mean, not helping matters is their costumes, which have kind of a diaper-y shape around the (laughs) crotch area. And sort of a weird amount of suit of armor armor, like the easy parts of the suit of armor to wear, they're also wearing that. Yeah, it's like it's like a chainmail diapy and uh, and shirt with some rubber shoulder pads basically. What color thermometer do you think the the Miradorns use uh, <laughs> in their in both their mouth and their head head ass? <laughs> they're I mean, they probably get them mixed up all the time, the reds and the blues. Yeah. It must be a particular risk going ass to mouth with these guys. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I didn't mean... It, it's just so close. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Not everyone keeps their anus in the same place, Captain Kirk. <laughs> I think I've exhausted my supply of ass jokes. <laughs> Well, these dudes kind of wordlessly head up to the hollow suites, and uh, Quark and Rom get some get some drinks together to take up there. Rom goes and reaches for a bottle off the shelf that looks like a scrotum with twenty five balls in it, and uh, and up the head. And uh, there's a fun bit of like uncut camera work here where he's like he's like setting up the tray, and he goes and gets the the bottle and then he comes and puts it back on the tray and there is one extra glass all i want to see like going forward in deep in deep space nine like the memification of our show must contain a screen grab of what odo has turned himself into and then like googly eyes on whatever that thing is (laughs) like i want to see a picture of this glass with googly eyes on it (laughs) why does rom still work there he tried to blow his brother out of an airlock the last episode. And got a promotion for doing it. Yeah. Oi. Well, it turns out that uh, they're up in the hollow suite working on selling like an alien Fabergé egg. And I guess the, the Miradorn twins have brought the egg and they're going to... I think I have an idea of how the Miradorns got the egg there. <laughs> Undetected. <laughs> question has been raised about the origin of this bubble. Ew. 
Well, in walks, uh, in walks Croden. I mean, if this thing is going to take off, you know, I need some capital, no, not, not a Band-Aid. Who's got kind of like college professor who hit it a little too hard in the 60s and 70s with the drugs vibe. Yeah, good call. He's got that... Uh, He's got that two-day-old face scruff, or if you're me, two-week-old <laughs> face scruff of, of an unshaven man and sort of unkempt man. Yeah, and and the like, his hair is kind of feathered, but in a but it's messy. He's Michael Landoning a little bit. Yeah, with the in the hair department, that's for sure. He he achieved tenure back when he was still a little bit coherent, and now he's just kind of a useless <laughs> member of the faculty. <laughs> what is that emeritus yeah he's hesher emeritus <laughs> <laughs> he cut, he's like he even has like the the fucking the fucking necklace pendant like he's like hey why don't we uh why don't we take class out onto the lawn today it's such a beautiful day a lot of people say uh i'm too old for burning man <laughs> what my necklace presupposes is maybe i'm not <laughs> I just want to. I just want to be in an environment where it's appropriate for a man of my age to wear a shirt and no pants around <laughs> younger women. My locket is a key. <laughs> Are you the lock? Uh, <laughs> so he's got a a Ferengi weapon, and uh, and he comes in, and uh, he is looking to heist this this Fabergé egg, uh, despite what it smells like. And uh, he starts licking shots, and the Miradorns start firing back. One of them does that awesome move where he, like, flips the table over just to cause panic and chaos. And, right. But, uh, but one of Croden's shots connect, hits one of the Miradorns. He goes down. Uh, one of the glasses on the tray shatters in the corner, and Odo grabs Croden uh, after unmelting from being a glass. And Corkin. Uh, Quirk and Rom hide behind their balls bottle. Real talk, though, if your balls look like this, you really need to go see a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's too many balls. Keep it real with that self-check in the shower, fellas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they take Croden into custody. I had a schedule, and now it's gone. I'll never have that schedule again. Dr. Bashir's unable to save the one Miradorn, and uh, this this puts the other one in a pretty bad mood i want to deal with the one who killed my twin he's taking a meeting with cisco and he's like you don't understand man we are not just like double mint twins we are like psionically connected (laughs) in a way that you couldn't possibly understand i feel like i was cut in half and now i'm just nobody now and guess what i'm gonna use this half of me to go on a vengeance spree whose only goal is to kill croton so watch out (laughs) Yeah, it's and he just sort of like walks out. Like he totally tells Cisco, "I'm gonna be a problem." Here's exactly how I'm going to be a problem later. Yeah, he's like, um, he basically like Cisco has used less, uh, less histrionic declarations to like lock people's ships to the docking ring and like sure, (laughs) and like have tails put on people and stuff. This guy is like. Hey, uh, just uh, heads up, I'm going to assassinate someone, so keep that in mind, buddy. All right, Audi. <laughs> One. <laughs> to be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm talking in pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. So, uh, Croton's in the brig. You've ruined my life. You've ruined my furniture. You've ruined my clothes. My family likes you more than they like me. Why? And Odo takes a walk to go have a conversation with him. And this is a scene, Ben, that I thought really called back to the whole uh, Croesus v. Data scene in, in Decent. You know? <laughs> like, you've got, you've got Croton inside the brig, and he's caught. He's captured, and the plan is to uh, send him back to the planet where he's a fugitive. Right. Except he starts fiddling around with his locket, and he's like, hey, you ever see one of these? I picked it up at Burning Man. <laughs> and he opens up the locket, and it like morphs like Odo into a key with googly eyes on it. <laughs> and Odo's like, Odo's like, that thing's just like me, only smaller. And Croden's like, I know. 
And I could even tell you where it comes from. Or maybe I couldn't. I don't know. I'm kind of hungry. You got a you get a TV dinner? You could wing my way. <laughs> and so there's this sort of like undercurrent of can Croden be believed or is he just fucking with Odo to get food and favors, you know, as as a manipulative prisoner. Yeah, like he says that line if if like Odo's like a, like how do you have an appetite after what you've done? And he says if if he'd killed me, I wouldn't be hungry right now. And, yeah. and it makes him just seem like such a desperado, you know, like a man with nothing to lose. I felt the same way. He seemed very cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I would totally TA for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know that that's not going to be a super demanding job, you know? <laughs> no. He's one of those teachers that's like two tests a, a year, the midterm and the final, no homework, like homework optional. Yeah. He's not taking attendance every class, you know? <laughs> There was a class in college, Ben, that I, <laughs> it was an astronomy class. I should have attended it. Like, it was one of those everyday classes, but it had, uh, it was one of those, like, lab on Wednesday, class on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. I only went to lab. I never <laughs> went to class. I still got, like, a 3.5 in it. That's pretty, that's pretty excellent, Adam. You're, you're uh, one of those. Croden, w- Croden was my professor. I can that. tell that you're one of those smarts that doesn't need to apply themselves that much, though. <laughs> I've been hearing that my entire life. <laughs> Think of how much better off you would be if you tried. I know, Dad. <clears throat> uh, so, I, Dax and Kira and and uh, and Commander Cisco are talking over what to do about this situation. And their idea is let's go let's see about like extraditing Croden to his home world, like we have some indication that he's a wanted man. Maybe they can uh take this problem off of our hands. But uh they're they're not like picking up the phone, so we're gonna have to hop into Previa and head out there. Seems pretty legit. They're not really a Previa, the runabouts. What do we call them? Winnebago? Yeah, it is a it is an R V Sized chip. Much, much. Again, we don't see the back of this thing. The back is like a full conference room and buffet table arrangement. Yeah. But we've only ever seen that on uh, on Next Gen, I think. Yeah. It's such a big room for not having any private places. Yeah, exactly. I guess if you live and work on a starship, you're probably used to not having your privacy all the time. So around this time, Croden tells Odo the story of, like, why he's a fugitive on this planet. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty rugged. They uh, they sent these security officers to my house, and they killed both of my wives right in front of me. And uh, all I had was this, like, chicken knife that I used to kill chickens. And I uh, I slit the officers' throats with this chicken knife, and they the sound they made... The, the the squawking and the flapping, just like those chickens that I used to kill for dinner. Anyway, I hear the screaming of the security officers when I sleep. <laughs> like so many lambs cries, Clarice. <laughs> Can you hear the, the, the screaming of the security officers? He sort of like takes that thousand yard stare. I want to be put in a brig with a window where I can see a tree and maybe some water. <laughs> You've got to hear the story from Croden because if you don't, he's just he's just wild shooty guy from Pulp Fiction who bursts into the room and like fires 20 shots. Yeah. Like, he seems more harmless until this moment and then you realize that like when you kill a guy with a chicken knife <laughs> that really raises your uh, your bad guy game quite a bit, I think. Yeah, he's uh you know, and we don't know anything about his planet at this point, so it just seems like fuck, man. Like that is some that is some craven shit. Like yeah. shit is not good over there. But uh, you know, self defense is one thing. Taking a knife from ear to ear is something entirely other. I'm watching <laughs> that Mine Hunter show on Netflix right now. Oh, I've heard that's really good. He really reminds me of some of the creepos that they talk to in there. Hmm. Only mm. more of like the dude version. Are you saying there's a dude version of a creepo, Ben? I don't believe it. Yeah, there is, and it's Croden. <laughs> so there's this conflict, right? There's there's sort of a conflict triangle. There's there's Akel trying to kill Croden. Yeah. There's Croden trying to like 
make the case for a side mission while he's in the Winnebago with Odo. And then there's Rom feeling conflicted feelings about Akel figuring out that Odo and Croden are cruising to the Gamma Quadrant. Because the best case would be for Akel to kill Odo and Croden so that Odo does never figure out the connection between Quark, Rom, and the Miradorns. Unless Odo is sensible and gives up his prisoner. Oh no. Then Croden would tell Akel the truth about our plan. We're dead. We're dead. Which is pretty fucked up. Like, Rom, Rom is really okay with Odo dying. Just get himself killed. Do you really think so? Quark seems a little bit more circumspect about it. Yeah, I think that Quark and Odo have a, have like kind of more of a fun, like cat and mouse relationship. They're like a Walter Matthau, Jack Bucket, (laughs) odd couple sort of. Sort of thing. Yeah, but Rom is just like, is, is like in some ways more greedy than Quark. Yeah, I think so. Less sophisticated, least, but more greedy. And more cutthroat in terms of his greed and what he's willing to do. I think they're probably equivalently greedy, but I think Rom would go further. Like, this is now the second time in two episodes that Rom has either considered or actually gone through with a plan to kill someone. Yeah. And Rom is like the dopiest Ferengi maybe we've ever met, which is, <laughs> which is like I would like you look at a guy like Croden, you can make assumptions. You look at a guy like Rom, you can also make assumptions. One of those assumptions is not that he's a cold-blooded murderer. No, it's uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like he would hold the knife the wrong way if he were trying to stab someone. <laughs> Ow! This handle is cutting my hand. <laughs> this garret got wrapped around my neck. Help! <laughs> He's the kind of guy that pulls the pin out of the grenade and throws the pin. <laughs> right, yeah. So Odo is extraditing Croden back to his planet. You know, this is ridiculous. And the idea is like they have to sneak Croden off the station and use the cover of some other ship so that they elude the Miradorn, which is like, do you guys really not have a way of controlling whether somebody is going to go do a murder outside of your station. Like, that'd be kind of like the main thing the station does is control the space around it. It wasn't too long ago that they used their tractor beam to stop a ship from leaving, you know, while the while the attempting to leave ship just sort of spun their wheels yeah. in place. Why wasn't that on the table here? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they, they get O'Brien back on the station and everything breaks again. Yeah, it's weird. Well... They leave, the Miradorn successfully chase them through the wormhole, and so Odo and Croden are getting attacked, and they have to duck into this gas vortex, the titular gas vortex, to avoid the Miradorn. And uh, and they put down on a planet, and Croden is like, this is the planet where your people are at, so come follow me into this creepy cave. And then he just starts running. <laughs> <laughs> You think Odo's faster as goo or on foot? I feel like he'd be faster as the goo, right? Could he change into like a into like a billy goat that's like really good at scrabbling over these rocks? Why not? That'd be fun. Why doesn't he do that? Do you think he's ever seen a billy goat and that's the problem? I feel like if Deep Space Nine was made in the era of prestige television, they'd be doing a lot more fun Odo changes. Not just paintings and bar carts, but billy goats... All kinds of fun animals, you know? I agree. We need more shape-shifting. Make shape-shifting great again, Adam. Well, Croden gets Odo, like, further into this thing, and, uh... Could Odo turn himself into an Armus-like pool and drown Croden inside him? (laughs) Do you think that's in his power? Man, Odo would have to be pretty dank and vile to do something like that. I know. There's a darkness in him. Yeah. You can see it. A real skin of evil type. Uh, They get to the end of this cave, and uh, Croden has a stasis chamber back here, and uh, it's got a girl in it. And it turns out that this lock pendant, this locket pendant that he's had, is the key to the stasis chamber, and the little girl is his daughter, the only person he was able to save from his, uh, his government. It's from sort of, the chicken knife incident? Yeah. And, like, we kind of have to take his word for it here, but 
what's starting to emerge is that his society is like pretty repressive and he's more of a political refugee than a than like a you know a, a hardened criminal and uh, he was he was working for Quark in the Miradorn incident like he was hired by Quark to do to do a hit so that he could make money to uh, to get around on Deep Space 9 yeah, it totally changes your view of the character. I mean, he's still got both chicken and security officer blood on his hands, but I guess I guess when you're doing that in revenge, I guess it's okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like that's I think that that's a moral quandary that would have been taken for more like they would have taken more time to chew on in TNG maybe yeah yeah uh, but it is an interesting moral quandary like do they i mean like odo doesn't have a prime directive issue so he's not going to be like oh well i'm i'm sorry there's nothing i can do that's just how your planet works just about everything on deep space 9 goes unpunished though yeah <laughs> it's really true they are open to having uh people whose stated intent is doing some assassinations. So the thing about this planet they're on is that is it is uh, seismically exciting. <laughs> and a rock slide cripples Odo. Ben, shouldn't Odo be like permanently a little soft? Yeah, I mean... I feel like these rocks should go right through him. What the hell? He, he uh, that, that bludgeon that that guy threw at him in episode one went right through him. I guess he has to see it coming. But I guess if I were setting, my, if I were changeling bin, mm-hmm. and I were setting up like the thing that I was going to be most, I might still take the humanoid form. But I think I would be soft, like putty soft. Hey, how come people don't have dip for dinner? Why is it only a snack? Why can't it be a meal? You know. So that if anyone tried to hit me with a bat or something, at least it wouldn't hurt me. <laughs> at least it would just go right through. The problem with Odo is that he's being too hard, and that's how he gets injured. Odo seems to be at full heaviness, too, because uh, he goes down and, and Croden kind of, you know, he waffles on this a bit, but he winds up going back to rescue Odo, which is, uh, you know, that's his save the cat moment. That's when we, the audience, are meant to understand that Croden is not a bad guy, just a, he's a good guy in a bad circumstance. And uh, right. so he saves Odo and they have to escape the Miradorn and they do it by tricking the Miradorn into shooting at them uh, inside the inside the vortex, which is full of explosive gas. Uh, How'd the Miradorn get their hands on a Maquis ship? Maquis? Oh. Is that Maquis's ship? It's the exact make and model of the Maquis, of those, uh, of those Maquis raiders. The Mirador Raider like ship anyway. is in this episode is the same type as the ship used by Baran in the TMG, TNG episode Gambit. Oh, wasn't it also the same kind of ship that Roe escaped on? It might be. I mean, I feel like you got a model that looks this cool. You try to come up with other ways to use it. Yeah, that's fair. There's a really great scene inside the Rainbow Sherbert Nebula where it's like, super gassy and and so the ships aren't very well lit they're kind of uh they're kind of backlit yeah they're silhouetted against the 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 clouds and like the light is filtering through the through the mist i really like that yeah that was was a good effect that was a very high spec bit of uh special effects Mm -hmm. so they get out of there and odo's like i'm not going to take you back to your planet I'm going to see see about something else. And they actually get get phoned up by a Vulcan lady who has uh, come through the wormhole. And uh, he's like, hey, listen, I got a couple of, uh, couple of folks who are trying to get back through to Vulcan, actually. You guys want to give them a lift? And she's real nice about it. Yeah, right place, right time. And I, and I, guess, uh, I guess his family's going to be all right. This- Just a little, uh, they're going to start a sitcom over on Vulcan. <laughs> Croden was a single dad <laughs> trying to make a new life on Vulcan. <laughs> dad, watch where you're waving that chicken knife around. <laughs> I can't help it. Did those kids teach you about logic at their school? <laughs> God damn these Vulcans. Hey, so is there such a thing as a burning man on this planet? <laughs> Croden was the worst professor at the Vulcan Science Academy. <laughs> 
kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. I think the like upshot of the episode is that Odo kind of, kind of took justice into his own hands and kind of kind of made a judgment call based on an incomplete and imperfect set of information and, and feels like, I think it feels like a little weird about it playing in a gray area, you know? He's a real sees the world in black and white type of guy. Especially because I don't think either of us can know if he ever tells anyone about what went down here next to the Sherbert Nebula. Like, he could go back through the wormhole and say that... He dropped Croden off where he was supposed to go, right? No one would be the wiser. Right, because it's not like they're in contact with the uh, with the government on Croden's planet. Those people... Cisco goes as far as to say, we're going to lose contact with you, so be careful. Like, you're on your own out there. Yeah. Hmm. Presumably, like, later in the season, we'll get some uh, some Miradorn security officers looking into the, into the missing <laughs> raiders that... Uh, that went through the wormhole, and uh, Odo will have some tough questions to answer. Odo's like, you think you could put on a hat or something? (laughs) (laughs) This is very distracting. Actually, not one of mine. Please put that hat down. Uh, I would would actually request that you replicate one. What if... And then then burn it. uh, What if uh, every time the Mirador walked into a shot, their, their foreheads were tiled out like, like uh, like the censors just wouldn't allow it. <laughs> when Tilly makes the cards for this episode, I totally want uh, like the digital the digital fuzz <laughs> over these Mirador heads. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, the button on the episode is uh, is Odo gets to keep the locket. Smiles like a serial killer <laughs> at Crodin and his daughter as they leave. Like this smile, Ben. It's the smile of someone who should be swinging an axe around at someone. Like, yeah. it is terrifying. Yeah, it's a real uh, real Mindhunter smile. <laughs> and that's it. Did you like this episode, Ben? Man, Adam, like, this episode has so many elements that I like. It's got kind of like a crime and punishment plot. It's got intrigue. It's got characters getting stuck with moral decisions that they don't have enough information to make perfect calls on it's got full frontal butthole it's got, it's got a ton of butthole and <laughs> and yet i found myself a little bored and i don't know why yeah. that is like i i think maybe just the pacing was weird or something every once in a while i feel like we do a pod that feels much 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 more fun than the show we review yeah this is one of those totally i would not have guessed that we would have this much fun with the app while I was watching it. Yeah, I, I honestly fin- finished watching it feeling like, I don't know how to be funny about this. <laughs> right, right. On my notes, it was buttholes and then an ellipses. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the uh, the key pendant that, mm. that Odo gets at the end of this is another like JRPG element for the series. Like, like Cisco theoretically has to collect all the... Uh, all the profit orbs. Now Odo has a key that he doesn't know what it opens. Or I guess he knows what it opens, but he, he doesn't know what it is. And uh, I think that's yeah. that's fun, you know? Do you think he just keeps it on his desk like one of those executive toys? <laughs> yeah. When is Think Geek going to uh, issue <laughs> a uh, an Odo shape-shifting toy for me to buy? I know. That should be a thing. Yeah. Get on it, thinkgeek.com. Well, uh... One thing that changes shape with every episode is the form of our Priority One messages. Want to take a look at the inbox there, Ben? Sure do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a commercial nature. It is for the book Quirky Quarks, a cartoon book about all the cool physics. Hey. And Ben, this is a this is a gift we received a while back uh, that was intended to be a commercial message. Instead, we just opened it like mail, like a couple of idiots. What happened was 
Benjamin Barr, the uh, the author, sent this to us with the idea that we would get to check it out and then read his Priority One message. But because it went to you and not me, and I had been the one exchanging emails, I was too stupid to connect that you were opening right. what he had told us he was going to send us. And so uh, this is coming a lot later than we had originally intended. So for that, we apologize, Benjamin. My favorite teacher that I've ever had was a physics teacher, and he was fucking crazy and fun and funny. And I and it like doesn't surprise me that a book like Quirky Quirks exists because it looks like a super fun book to read. This is a commercial by two German physicists and a Canadian cartoonist who are a little <laughs> bit embarrassed to have written a book about physics with cartoons. It's called Quirky Quarks and covers all sorts of cool stuff. The Big Bang, quantum teleportation, Whoa. dark matter, and many more topics are explained with comics and cartoons. If you like that sort of stuff, and I guess you do unless you're just here for the witty banter between Raz and Plavine, <laughs> then check out the book Quirky Quarks. Cool. I'm very curious about physics. So this mm-hmm. sounds like this sounds like it's right on my level, you know? I'm really hoping that this book takes off in that way where a, a college physics professor decides to make it part of the curriculum. Yeah. And then like charges two hundred dollars for it <laughs> so that uh, so that its authors, uh, Rena Piccolo, Boris Lemmer, and Benjamin Barr can uh, make a shitload of money because this seems like a pretty great book. And Man. a pretty great book to like design a class around. It could be great. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, thanks, guys. Adam, our next Priority One message is from She Who Is Your Wife, and it's for <laughs> Richard. goes like this. Thanks for 10 years of support, laughs, being nerds together, and putting up with my antics. We've raised two amazing little boys and survived military life, so I'm looking forward to our next grand adventure. I love you. Happy belated anniversary, and Merry Christmas. Ah, that's great. Man, a lot of uh, a lot of folks listening from the base. Yeah, I'm getting that sense myself. I wonder how popular podcasts are in general for for military base life. Yeah. We had a, there was actually a really interesting uh, thread on I think our Facebook group uh, of folks who are the spouses of uh, military officers and uh it was really interesting. Yeah, friend of the show, Jackie, especially threw in uh, some science, some knowledge on that topic. Yeah. Jackie, who we met at our very first uh, show date in Minneapolis, and yeah. who ended up being really cool. Jackie so, is super cool. And uh, yeah. definitely hipped me to some stuff. Yeah, no kidding. It's great. <laughs> it is, uh, it's frequently great to talk out of your ass and get gently corrected and <laughs> have it not feel like a big thing. And that was an instance of that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you'd like to uh, leave a Priority One message, you know where to go. MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Commercial messages are 200 bucks, and personal messages are only 100 bucks, and they help promote the production of this podcast. Darmok, Angela, You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. 
Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? I didn't have a Shimoda for this one until we started doing the pod. And then we started doing the riff on Croden. (laughs) And now I feel like it has to be Croden, right? Yeah, it's got to be Croden. His backstory is awful and dark (laughs) and bad. But the backstory we made for him is fun and funny. Yeah. And based on fake backstory alone, I'm going to say it's got to be Croden in a pretty dark episode throughout. It's... It's sort of a hard one to choose a Shimoda from. Yeah, I, uh, I'm right there with you, buddy. I I did not write one down. In fact, looking here at my notes, I in the space I usually make to write down the drunk Shimoda, I wrote down the drunk Shimoda for the wrong episode. Oh, <laughs> an episode we recorded the other day. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think. Uh, I'm I'm really pleased with the silliness we were able to suffuse that otherwise pretty bleak character with. Yeah, fun times. Uh, what do we have coming up for the next episode, Ben? As bleak, less bleak, next, more bleak? The next episode is season one, episode 12, Battle Lines. Cisco, Kira, and Bashir are stranded on a war-torn world where it is impossible for the combatants to die. Fun. Yeah. That, that sounds great. It sounds terrible. Uh, do you want to find out if we are going to be getting shithouse drunk while we record that episode, Adam? Ben, would you mind recapping the rules for this? Because I feel like uh, some people still are not getting the rules for, for Drunk Pod going forward. Every season has a number of episodes, and we have a one in that number of episodes chance of it being a drunk episode every single time. So... Uh, for this, for the purposes of this season, we're doing one in fifteen because we had fifteen episodes left when we came up with the idea, and so this next episode has a one in fifteen chance of being a drunk episode. Let's hit it! Roll them bones! And our number is three. Not a not a drunk episode. That was a close one, though. Yeah, it was close. Hey Ben, if we never roll the one. 
then the se- the season finale has to be a drunk episode, right? Fair enough. How about that as a rule? Fair like, enough. We cannot escape a season without one. And let's also say there's no limit to the amount of drunk episodes. Like, so if no, we roll five ones in a season, that's the drunk season. That's the drunk season. All right, Adam. Well, uh, that will be our next episode. In the meantime, chalk with us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Adam is on there as at Cut for Time. I'm there as at Benjamin R. A H R. Got a great Facebook group, over a three thousand members strong, uh, and a great Reddit subreddit that is hot on the Facebook group's heels. There, uh, I, th- I think the subreddit is interested in starting a rap beef with the Facebook group. So, uh, get involved, folks. I want to see some uh, some metaphorical phaser fire between those two entities. And uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia for our other music. Great folks at MaximumFun.org who put in a lot of hard work to help us bring this to you. And, uh, hey, it's been a great year, Adam. Yeah, it really has. Super fun. Here's to the next, Ben. Here's to next year. Happy holidays to everybody listening. And uh, go hug your family and uh, finish up that poop. Yeah, this is... No one's going to believe you've been pooping this long. So, uh... (laughs) So uh, wipe your foreheads, pull your pants up, get back out there. It's uh, it's not going to last forever, guys. You can get through this. Uh, we'll see you next time for another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's going to live forever, man! <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.